0: Welcome back to the Wolverine.com podcast. I'm John Borton, and we're here with the video edition, and we are here with our man from East Lansing, the one and only Tom Crawford, uh, who has been keeping his finger on the pulse of all Michigan sports, as he always does, but also uh, certainly tuned into Michigan's exit from the NCAA men's basketball tournament. We have other teams that are still going. We'll definitely talk about them, but first of all, Welcome back, Mr. Crawford. And I got to say, leading into you uh, speaking about this men's basketball exit, this was a game against Villanova that it looked like Michigan could and possibly should have won.
1: They could and should have won, indeed, John. And you know, I just, you know, I, I, was, I I'm glad we do this podcast, you know, four days removed, so I can absorb everything. Get emotion out of it and look at things with a clear mind. And uh, first of all, I think this was uh, this season was a was a real was a good season. It's a, it was a successful season um, because everything is so contingent uh, on on a national perspective. Uh, if you get to that second weekend, if you get to the Sweet Sixteen, you get a ton of exposure, a ton. Uh, and I, you know, based on the fact that you're barely into the tournament and all that and the controversy in that and the Wisconsin game with Juwan, Um, that uh, all of a sudden is now back in the light. To, Will, Will Smith's behavior at the Oscars now everybody talking about Juwan Howard again. I mean, you can't get rid of that. But my point is, uh, this was a uh, this is a good year and I, I feel really good about this basketball program and Juwan Howard heading this program uh, as good as I ever have. And I, I it, it was a land of missed opportunities So. I can't get the 12 or 29 at the rim out of my mind in terms of missed opportunity. Michigan schematically, strategically uh, was in preparation and in, was there to win this basketball game. And when you combine the start of it with a missed free throw opportunities against a fundamentally sound, good, you know, seasoned team, well-coached team by Jay Wright. Man, I'm still banging my head against the wall. They should be in the final. They they and I think they could have beaten Houston, to be honest with you. Um because they, you know, they they could be in the final four. They could be in New Orleans with all the all the blue bloods including themselves.
0: Yeah, and it, here's the weird thing. I I get that uh, Villanova is very sound and very good defensively and they push you off your spot just enough and they speed you up a little on offense because of that pressure defense. Uh, but I hear Jay Wright saying, "Yeah, we we did what we wanted to do defensively and push Hunter Dickinson out just far enough so that maybe he wasn't as comfortable and those kinds of things." And I hear Juwan Howard saying, "We were pleased with what we got offensively. We, you know, we could have done better in that area." And I think there's maybe some truth uh, to both of those, but. It it sure did look at after that that man you got to make the shots and you got to uh, you got to take advantage of your opportunities when you have them. That said, I think Villanova, uh, except for one uh, very uh, very difficult injury, uh, could just about beat anybody and still could win this thing.
1: Yeah, the Justin Moore injury on Saturday or uh, yes, yeah, was that Saturday? Everything's a blur. It Was was heart wrenching and so he's gone and so that 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 knocks their chances uh of, of beating kansas Ooh. down quite a bit in that 1st uh, semifinal. but you know i go back you know and i've talked about the missed free throws and uh and uh, and the misses at the rim uh but i thought the entry passes were, were not very good and then also musa diabate okay uh everybody says oh you know he's just gonna be one and done boy I, i'm telling you i'm flat out he is not ready i mean he can't hold on to the basketball in congested situations, many times he he didn't have a good game at all. I don't think he's ready. I think with with, with Caleb coming back uh, and and Musa coming back, those two, if that happens, which I think it it will, uh, the potential of, of improvement is off the scale. That the the, the, the raw talent is there, um, but what Caleb, Caleb Houston goes, um, he offers that he doesn't score in the win over. Tennessee, and then he, he jumps out of the gate. Good. We got the five quick ones, the three and the two, that slash on that reverse layup, and he got the three, and then all of a sudden he shot out the rest of the game. If you had told me, and this goes back to the, if you had told me, that out of uh, shooting forward, Caleb Houston was going to get five points in those two games, that they weren't going to win those two games. They won one of them. But there's a lot of improvement to be to be made a lot of great off-season play, uh, uh, you know. You know, as far as talent-wise, needs to be enhanced, and and you know, including several players. T. Will could improve a great deal. Obviously, Frankie Collins could improve a great deal. A lot of upside coming down, um, but missed opportunities. Oh God! Now I'm all now I'm all bummed out again.
0: That's worked Thanks up, on. Okay. As long as your anxiety level is slightly <laughs> elevated anyway, tell me uh, what, what the anxiety meter says about the possibility of a Caleb Houston or a Musa Diabate, despite the fact that they have uh, had pretty up and down freshman seasons overall, uh, deciding that, you know what, my potential is such that somebody might, uh, might take me. I'm going to check this thing out NBA-wise.
1: Well, you can do the check the thing out. I don't care about that. I mean, they, you know, they, you know, like uh, Hunter did last year. If you want to check it out, check it out. And what that does is it 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 puts your program in a in a bind with a portal and everything because you don't know you're giving all this uncertainty to your head coach. I don't know if I'm leaving, and you you might go as late as June. And so it's like book an airline booking a plane. You only have so many seats, and you have to fill those seats, right? And that that that's why basketball with with the transfer portal is is you know it's it's a hot mess as far as how you you're going to orchestrate your personnel. I mean, I know Michigan's looking at this guy, this kid out of Texas Tech, they want to you know, see, go after him. I mean, there's I, I don't know how they do it. I mean, football is bad. Basketball there's smaller amounts of available seats, you know, you got 13 scholarships whatever, 15 guys on your roster. Wow, I mean, I, it, it would be insane if Caleb Houston thought he was going to get drafted in the NBA. He's not going to get drafted. Musa Diabate, I don't think, is going to get drafted. And I don't even think Hunter Dickinson's going to get drafted. Will he go? Probably. But he could use another game. He didn't have a – you know, he didn't crush it. I mean, he played good in, in games one and two. But in games three, uh, when you smaller guys were, you know, mucking up the situation for him down low – it took him 16 shots to get 15 points. Not good. So they all could be benefit from coming back.
0: All right. Well, let me circle back to one thing that you just touched on and that I uh, I find to be uh, so true about college basketball these days, major college basketball, is the fact that the the weight that can be carried by two wins, and Michigan got those two wins, all credit, Colorado State, Tennessee, you're in the Sweet 16. Suddenly, it's it, you've saved the season. Suddenly, it is a successful season. It's a Sweet 16 team uh, looking forward to next year. Obviously, a learning year this year. Had young guys, all that kind of thing. You dial it back to just uh, a, a, a week earlier, a little more than a week earlier. You've got a team that has played itself out of the Big Ten tournament in one game. You've got a team that uh, had had a, its coach on suspension for five games. Uh, you have people screaming that no way in the world this team deserves to be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, it, it, and it's just a season that really is not a successful season by any measure. And then you win two games, and it is. In uh, in such a, I mean, that everybody agrees it is. You're one of the last two Big Ten teams standing. It just uh, shows you the power of the NCAA tournament and the the power of having uh, even a modicum of success in that tournament.
1: You said it, but the power of the NCAA tournament. I mean, when you look at TV ratings, let me, let me give you. You know, all those college football bowl games that we that some of us diehards watch. I mean, some of those mid-range bowl games like the Sun Bowl outdrew in viewership the the, the highest-rated college basketball regular season game, okay? Because college basketball's regular season is almost a niche sport. You're kind of just watching it, waiting to see who's in, and all of a sudden Lenardi comes out, who's in, who's out, and then it starts to pick up momentum. The college basketball is virtually a a one-event sport. It's the NCAA tournament. That's when it gets its magnitude. That's when teams like St. Peter's uh, are, are on the, you know, are becoming newsmakers, and that's when it gets its 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 three week time. Uh, but before that, it's it's. I'm not saying it's an irrelevant sport, but it's a very fragmented sport in terms of awareness. So yeah, all of a sudden, all is good. If you do well, if you get out of that first weekend, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, it means everything. I mean, I feel better. I mean, I'm sure there's Michigan fans who feel better about their program than Iowa, who won the Big Ten tournament, was the hottest team that came out uh, and lost. Uh, you know, every I had them in. I had to win the national championship. How stupid is that? Um, that's how stupid I am. But and they lose in to Richmond in the first game. I mean, it's that's what defines you. It's it's sad. It's unfair, but that's reality.
0: Yeah, I threw that out on our uh, message board. What what means more to you, uh, going farther in the NCAA tournament or actually winning the, the Big Ten? And in basketball these days, you're going to have a lot of people take the former, say, look, you know, I'd rather make the Sweet 16 than win the Big Ten. And that's, uh, that's interesting in itself because you, uh, you do a lot of hard work and a lot of good things over the long haul to, uh, to hang a Big Ten championship banner, no doubt.
1: Yeah, I mean, I go back. My my one of my podcast partners, Richard Relford, uh, two-time Big Ten champion, eighty-five and eighty-six. I mean, they had they had great teams. They were Big Ten champs back to back years. And what does everybody think about when those two teams? They think about they they didn't get out of the first weekend. They they didn't play well in week number one in the game number one over a fairly Dickinson and Akron respectively. And then they lost to Villanova and Iowa State respectively. Villanova and winning on win the national championship, but. That's what they think of when they think of 85, 86, a team that fell short, not the Big Ten titles. And that's that's pretty sad to me. But that's just the, that's the way. And that's when the tournament not even less than it does now. Now the tournament is totally like 90 percent of college basketball.
0: No doubt. The mega tournaments. And you certainly um I know that Kim Barnes-Urico and her uh, women's team is still feeling uh, very excited about what they've got going, advanced to the Elite Eight for the first time in program history, and I'll tell you what, that's a a great achievement for that group, Nas Hillman and the whole crowd. uh, It's it's something that I saw a lot of years when I first was starting with the Wolverine magazine and the Wolverine.com where – Women's basketball really, really struggled and wasn't uh, wasn't something that a lot of people paid attention to. This uh, this team's drawing more and more crowds and more and more interest. And uh, congratulations, certainly, to them on taking the next step.
1: Yeah, kids done a great job. I mean, I think I mean relative up here, you know, Joanne P. McCauley and Susie Merchant had the had the better program uh, at Michigan State in women's, and now Michigan is has taken, you know, they've, they've forged ahead in that. And I thought that was a great win over, over South Dakota. I mean, that gym, I think it was in Wichita. I mean, that was packed with us Coyote fans. Mm. And, I mean, that was like a road game. And South Dakota, you know, they knocked off Baylor. I mean, they did some good deeds for Michigan. and But Michigan held their poise, got the big bucket down the stretch. That was a huge win for the program. Maybe a little daunting tonight taking on Louisville because they got blown out before, but who knows? But uh, you get to the Elite Eight. This all ties into this Michigan athletic, the golden years, the maze years of Michigan athletics. This academic calendar in athletics, John, and you and I have talked about it last week, with hockey making the Frozen Four holding on. My word, what a year that, you know, that Michigan has had athletically. And we're not even talking about it. the football. got to the CFP and won the Big Ten title. So that had that used to be the weak link. Good in every sport.
0: No doubt about it. You talk about and you talk about Mel Pearson's hockey team. Oh my word! You want to go for a ride? You you make sure you see that uh, the replay if you didn't see it live last night. And uh, they go into uh, the final period up what four to nothing. Allow three goals. They're hanging on. Then get two open netters and give one back. And it was uh, the craziest third period, one of the ones that, that I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, pulling a goalie at uh, Quinnipiac at four four minute mark. I was like, okay, uh, this works. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Michigan took advantage of it. You know, I mean, they, you know, it's like it's like basketball. You know, we we complained about, hey, that Michigan basketball team uh, can't put together a full forty. Well, this hockey team, you know, the Minnesota game is an example that uh, has struggled with a full sixty minute output. They're gonna, they got some time to shore that up uh defensively uh later stages of the game when they take on denver uh then the winner of minnesota minnesota state um uh, i mean that's that's tough stuff ahead of them but man to get back to the frozen Four is just awesome for mel pierce
0: yeah, yep and you uh we were talking about the, the the power of two wins they're two wins away from a national championship and that's uh that would be a fantastic uh uh, uh, achievement for a longtime assistant, but a relatively new head coach at Michigan uh, for Mel and his crew. Uh, wish them all the best. It's uh, uh, and, and then we've got the spring game coming up. I, we're going to talk next week much more about football. But uh, uh, just just in closing, what uh, what is a, it about football and this spring that has most caught your attention?
1: Well, um, I, I, you know, and I haven't, you know, been down in practice and I haven't, you I know, mean, I've watched some of the pressers and uh, replay, I haven't been down to A-square for the, those press conferences uh, and I'm looking forward to being down there uh, for the spring game and then the post-game presser, which I'm sure the coordinators will kind of oversee that versus uh, Harbaugh. Um, I, you know, all I'm hearing is, you know, things are you know, pulling together nicely, um, positivity. Um, I think there's a lot to be said. Uh, momentum wise, you you know, I always say if you drop your bowl game that, you know, can hurt momentum. I don't think that was the situation this year because they were big 10 champions. They got uh, the Ohio state, uh, bugaboo off their back. You know, they finally beat Ohio state. I think there's a, I think there's some solid momentum going into next year. And I think that, I think there'll be a decent amount of people showing up in the spring game. You know, it's going to be 46 degrees. I just look at the weather. That's all. That's all right for April 2nd, as long as it's dry. So I think all things are good for Michigan football. And also, I think it also generates momentum, John, is the fact that uh, I, I think this uh, tango bit with Harbaugh and the NFL is over with. And I think the stellar, uh, you know, I mean, this the coaching staff is solid with the new additions uh, at, at OC and DC. That's merging together. It's going to be interesting to see if there's any different look at the spring game and i I, from my understanding and correct me if i'm wrong this is gonna be an actual spring game like dividing the teams like back in the 70s and 80s is that true
0: well they're talking actual spring game there's always modifications and always ways that they shorten it up and make sure guys they're not going to lose guys on the last day of spring practice but i I think it's going to have a lot of game elements to it so i'm uh I'm interested to see how that comes out, and you're right on as far as the coordinators. They did an excellent job just when it looked like, oh, everything's upheaval and everything's going to change. They did an excellent job of making sure that there's a continuity there, and the defense is going to stay largely the same, and the offense is going to tap into the guys that had so much input on an offense that uh, – ran the heck over Ohio State. So it's. I, I think that um, given what could have been in terms of upset and upheaval, uh, it's, it's going to be uh, – uh, certainly you're going to have to replace personnel. But in terms of scheme, it's not going to be some some big dramatic difference. And when you're coming off a Big Ten championship, that's a really good thing.
1: Yeah, and that's why I think this. I know this this whole thing with Harbaugh doing the tango with with the Minnesota Vikings that that has like, God, is this going to happen every year? I think the way it ended up, and I think it's he's done with that thing. I mean, I mean, you know, that whole flirtation thing is over, and 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 you know, he got you know, the continuity like you talked about on both sides of the ball. Can you imagine if a new coaching regime came in here? I don't care who it was. You're you're in that transition mode. You got to get the transfer portal thing it's going to be. A, you know, the, it's going to be going off the scale. And, you, and then you have to have a new learn with scheme on both sides of the ball. Don't have that. Don't have that at all. And uh, also, I think the confidence uh, that you can beat Ohio State. And I know you like that early schedule. We'll talk about that next week. I like to poke at that schedule again next week. There are some, yeah. there's some upside. They can get their reps in and they can get their, get the, get the rhythm going before they make that uh, dawning task to Iowa City in that first road game.
0: You got it. We'll talk all about that more next week. Tom Crawford, as usual, fantastic job. Thanks for joining us.
1: Always a pleasure, John. I think Wolverines, I think Mazing Blue every week of the year. And I appreciate you having me on the podcast with you.